Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by an American who always does well overseas. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I'll take that. I like that. I think it's the case in the sense that I'm still alive. Yeah. So by that right well. now, yes, I'm doing all right. Yeah. And you, still here. You got out of Turkey just before Erdogan went full Erdogan. Uh-huh. Before, um, before, before all my friends got to your guest. Yeah, yes. And literally you got out of northern Iraq just before ISIS came in. Also true. Yeah. <laughs> and then we moved to D.C. and nothing bad happened a year or so later. Did? Oh, wow. <laughs> I think it was I've only just realized the yes. timing. I've just realized the timing of that. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> All right, we are here. This show was supposed it's a to butterfly ha- effect situation, right? Yeah. I, I never leave the Total Soccer Show. <laughs> Clearly, terrible things will happen after you leave. <laughs> That's what we've learned. <laughs> so this show that we're about to record, what we recorded now, mm-hmm. was supposed to happen Thursday night. It was. There were some Daryl Hospital scheduling um, issues mm-hmm. that got in the way, so we're here recording on Saturday. It's our big check-in on Americans. Abroad. It is. I just want to add uh, Daryl's hospital thing. I saw you at a bar like two hours later, man. That is not you, the truth. He was out. He was wasted. It was a lot of uh, Cosmos. Cosmos, Skin, yeah. skinny, skinny girl daiquiris. Everyone knows that's what I drink. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's my drink. You skinny, love sugar. It's your favorite girl thing. Daiquiri. That's why I've lost so much weight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, that is that is true, but I'm glad you are back, and I am excited to talk Americans Abroad with you. And uh, per your advice, we waited until the afternoon of Saturday to record this yeah, so yeah. we could see some Americans Abroad who actually did play. And we were re- we were rewarded with, what, a Josh Sargent assist mm-hmm. for Bremen and a Dwayne Holmes assist for Derby County. Yes, and Christian Pulisic playing mind games on the sidelines. Well, yeah, and the Christian Pulisic crisis deepened. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a bit. So the way we've done this, we split mm-hmm. this up between us into uh, a few players. We've got yep. about six players each, right? Yep. They're mostly... Senior U.S. men's national team players who could theoretically be in the October squad. Yes, yeah? and I think we've we've kind of intentionally gone for the more notable names. Yeah. So, like, so, like Eric Palmer Brown is mm-hmm. not on the list because he's probably not going to be called in in October. Yeah, uh, Andrea Novakovic playing uh, for the Frozenone. 15th team in Serie B. Yeah, yeah, maybe like we're not so focused on that one. So I'm, I'm going to invite you to go first, Taylor. Sure. Who have you got first on the list? Uh, I've got Zach Steffen. Oh, all right. Uh, tell me. I think I know Zach Steffen's doing well, but tell me how he's doing very well. Yeah. Uh, named to the Bundesliga team of the week twice. Yes. Uh, that's not bad for a very early season. Put in nine saves and a two to one loss to Gladbach. Still a loss, but he put in like nine saves, one of which was a double save and maybe even a kick save at the end to pull off a triple yes, save. I saw not this. too bad. But by the way, this is all for Fortuna Dusseldorf yes, it is. on loan from Manchester City. Who do not have the best defense because. 30- it's perfect, right? They're showcasing him. <laughs> yeah. Stefan showcasing 33 saves already. Uh, he has not yet played this weekend. That is the most in the Bundesliga, 14 ahead of the second place goalkeeper. He has the most. Most saves in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. That's he, not bad. Mm-mm. And I love the idea that maybe when Guardiola was looking at where to send him on loan, mm-hmm. he was like, "How is Fortuna's defense?" Yeah. And someone was like, "Terrible." And he's like, "Perfect, perfect." Get, get him lots, shots. Of, get him lots of lots of uh, reps. And the key, the key thing here is like shots faced. Not necessarily like maybe those are from range. It doesn't necessarily like tell you the best story. Statsbomb did a great analysis of Zach Steffen so far. Wasn't the he key one there? Three players that were doing really well. Yes, yeah, exactly. And the key thing there, as my phone goes off to keep tradition alive, uh, is that Steffen's about eighty percent save percentage is twelve percent higher than expected given the profile of shots he's faced. Nice. Which essentially means he's over overperforming. Yep. Which justifies the uh, twice team of the week. How's he doing with his feet? That's he, the question. Is he having crises like he does? when the U.S. men's national team tries to play out of the back. So everything I watched... He's had, a, he's had like three high-profile mistakes, He right? certainly has. It was very confusing because I kept expecting there to be a moment when it was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. And what I can come to is the conclusion that if they're playing slowly and he's put under pressure, that's when there are problems. But like the, you know the balls that we saw from him a lot that were like kind of like either the driven diagonal to his left or the kind yeah. of lofted one to his right? He pulls those off 
pretty much not every time, but with with consistent regularity Ooh, for Dusseldorf. And okay. I think the reason why is because he always looks to his right first. So he's always looking to his right fullback as the outlet. Usually, it's thrown distribution to get the ball back and play quickly. If it's not, he puts it at his feet, and he'll kind of faint to the left, cut back, and plays that chip ball over the top to the right fullback. Does it reach his target? It does, uh-huh. and I think it's because it's a pattern of play. He consistently knows restart with a quick throw to the right. If not, put the ball on the ground. People will shift over to the left, and then I'll play it to the right. And because there are the patterns there, he knows where to aim. Whereas I think with the U.S., especially in that Mexico game, when he's under the pressure, and the, yeah, when it, when he's under pressure, and there's a bit more static approach from his team, then he's just sort of doing what he can and hoping, as opposed to there's a player shifting into space and he knows they're going to be there, so he plays the ball into space, but the player's arriving as the ball arrives. So the conclusion I'm drawing from what you're telling me mm-hmm. is that Stefan's distribution problems for the U.S. are maybe more of a U.S. problem. I think so. Than a Stefan problem because yep. in a different scenario with different players for Dusseldorf, he's doing just fine distributing. Yes, and Ooh. and and I think a, a key thing there I just want to reiterate, especially because if you see it when he comes out and claims a cross or collects a shot, you will see his fullbacks sprint wide and the center back spread a little bit wider. The midfielder pushes forward, but everybody tries to get into shape as quickly as possible. I think because Dusseldorf know that they're Dusseldorf yeah. and know that if they're going to score, it's going to be on the break. So I think they're looking to play as quickly as possible. With the U.S., it feels like more often. It's a slower center back's kind of drift wide. So the decision making is slower, right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the stuff the US is still working. Yes. All right. So, so we've got we've got a lot of players to get mm-hmm. through. Should we keep it keep yeah, it moving? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Next up, first on my list, Christian Pulisic. Oh boy. If we'd done this a month ago, it would be doing pretty well, right? Yes. He's got like a Premier League assist. He had a he had that uh, League Cup. He has a recent League Cup assist. Mm-hmm. He had the Europa. Uh, what was it called? Super Cup assist. <laughs> yeah. Things would have been going well since the international break. Things have not gone well for Christian Pulisic in that he hasn't appeared in the Premier League for Chelsea. He's been an unused sub mm-hmm. in the last three Premier League games. We started off not being as worried by this. It feels like we are. The fact that you kind of referred to it as a crisis. Yeah, as, I mean, I was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's it's the beginnings of a crisis well, see, if this keeps yeah. happening. I was going to say, sorry for stepping on, on yeah, it sorry. there, but like that you're like, well, I was saying it mostly tongue-in-cheek, whereas yeah. before you were like, I was saying it all tongue-in-cheek. My tongue is slowly coming away from my cheek <laughs> yeah. with each passing week. <laughs> Every week, my tongue gets farther from my cheek. There we go. <laughs> That's the best metric, and I don't know how else we can be more clear. So here's what did worry me slightly lately is um, in the, I think it was against Grimsby, mm-hmm. the uh, EFL Cup game, uh, Lampard gave some of the guys who hadn't been playing a run out, right? Mm-hmm. And I think even though Pulisic did get an assist late in the game, it was a pretty simple assist, just a pass to Batshuayi, Batshuayi scored. I feel like everybody else took more advantage of that EFL Cup game than Christian Pulisic did, mm-hmm. right? Callum Hudson-Odoi came back from injury, scored. Michi Batshuayi scored. Reese James, the right back, who was playing behind Pulisic, Pulisic was right wing, scored a great goal mm-hmm. from the top of the box. Ross Barkley got himself heavily involved, think he might have scored as well. Everyone except Pulisic, who needed to do like a reminder of, hey, look how talented I am, had their moment, and Christian Pulisic did not. He did not. He wasn't not. bad. He didn't do anything wrong. He just didn't have that shining moment that everybody else did. There were some clips I saw, though, of like, there's the one where he's streaking down the right-hand touchline and it's wide open, and Ross, ba- and Ross Barkley like, shapes to play like a driven through ball and instead cuts back and does like a back heel to no yes, one. Yes, Arthur Kogan posted it on yeah. uh, Twitter saying, pass to Pulisic, what's yeah, going on? But that did make me wonder, like, are they intentionally not, or is that just the no, case? No, I, re- that- I watched that mm-hmm. game to make sure. It's, okay. it, that was just, a, it, I, know, I don't know the reason Barkley didn't pass it, but it wasn't a consistent like 
turning down passes to Pulisic. Thing. If we wanted to try to spin this and be like like the spin machine here, we're going to be Christian P- uh, Christian Pulisic PR people. Yeah. Could we argue potentially that like he was executing what Lampard asked of him, and other people were either maybe being a bit more direct in their shooting opportunities, or well, were told to take those opportunities? I, I can say one thing I saw that he was doing mm-hmm. that say Cam Hudson Odoi wasn't doing. Hudson Odoi was pulling wide getting the ball wide left and then going at people. Mm. Christian Pulisic was the right winger in this Grimsby game. He consistently was looking for sort of interior diagonal runs. And I think the instruction was, come central, let Reese James overlap. Mm-hmm. So people may not know the name Reese James because he's not the starting right back for Chelsea, but he's this uh, a young Chelsea guy who's very, very highly thought mm-hmm. of. They see a big future for him. And I think there was like a... Let's showcase Reese James. Let's give him the space down the right to exploit. That meant Pulisic didn't get to go wide, receive the ball wide, and run at people. Mm-hmm. He kept making those interior runs, and but he wasn't making great, great runs and getting on the end of balls. So, wh- so where are you then in this? In rewatching that game and watching what you've seen of of him either playing for Chelsea or more importantly not playing for Chelsea? Yeah. Do you feel like this is the case where maybe other players have come back? Like maybe some players missed preseason, now they've caught up, and now they just look a little bit sharper, and think, he's just yeah. kind of been pushed out. I think it's a combination of two things. I think the start of the season. Uh, Willian was uh, had played at the Copa America, mm-hmm. so he was late coming back to start in training. So he was slow being reintroduced. Callum Hudson Odoi was injured, right? This I think the EFL Cup game was Hudson Odoi's debut after injury, and they've invested a lot in mm-hmm. him, right? They gave him a hundred and twenty thousand pounds a week contract to not go to Bayern Munich. <laughs> Chelsea have made a commitment to Callum Hudson Odoi; they're going to get him minutes, right? Yeah. The other big thing that's happened is so start of the season, no Hudson Odoi, no Willian. And Chelsea were playing a 4-2-3-1, which meant there were three attacking midfielder spots, right? So it was like Pedro, Mason Mount, who Frank Lampard loves, and then Christian Pulisic. Since they've switched to either a 3-4-3 or a 4-3-3, which means there's a central striker, Tammy Abraham, and there's only two wide attacking spots. So not only have the the positions available become fewer, the competition for places has increased. Okay. So that's a bad situation in terms of Christian Pulisic's minutes. Here's how I'm going to look at it, though. You know I'm kind of an optimist. Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose to be excited by this in that I want to see Christian Pulisic battle for minutes, win minutes, and that's the challenge ahead of him, right? Like every minute Mm -hmm. that Pulisic gets, every appearance he makes is a victory. I think he has the sort of professional mindset and the talent to eventually win either a starting spot or at least a first off the bench spot in this Chelsea team. Mm-hmm. It's just going to take some time. And if it doesn't happen by January, then we have to think about loan moves, right? So, so you're giving him till January and so you're like fully concerned? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think by January, it's a long time away, right? You've got all of October, yeah. November, December. That's I guess that's a lot what I'm of, saying. A lot of Premier League football, a lot of uh, Champions League minutes. If he's still barely playing, mm-hmm. then we've got to think, if he's going to be part of World Cup qualifying and he needs to be, we want him as sharp as possible, then we should be sending him on loan to somewhere like Molyneux. All right. <laughs> Imagine Pulisic at Wolves. It's not impossible. It's not impossible and it would probably work. I think I take your point, though, that like, if we start seeing him... Like, like there's those times when a new player comes in, maybe they get a few minutes at the beginning of the season, then the minutes kind of fade, but then you start to see them make 10-minute cameo appearances, and then 15, and then 20, and then there's an odd start, and it shows you that they're responding to what's being asked of them in training. Yeah. So I take your point that if we start to see that, and maybe a month from now, he starts getting 15 minutes here and there, or more consistently, and yeah. it builds up, then I feel a little bit better. I'm still upset that it takes that long for him to get to that point, uh-huh. but I, I can hold off for at least a month, I guess, before I get yeah. truly, truly panicked. I think what, one thing I had in my notes that I really wanted to just make sure to mention um, mm-hmm. is that I think this is maybe a marker of where we are as a national team, right? Christian Pulisic is our undisputed best player, I would say, mm-hmm. and our undisputed best player is 
struggling to start for a sort of top-end Premier League team. It's just a reminder of where the level of talent is for the U.S. men's Mm. national team. I had this conversation with our friend uh, Patrick Kennedy. Patrick, if you're listening, hello and thank you for this. Um, And what we kind of stumbled on together, I really do mean like I think we both kind of landed on this, uh, was the idea that we we don't have, the way I would phrase this is like a Harry Kane. We don't have that forward. I may have said this to you before. I can't remember if it was on an air, but we don't have that player that we know. Harry Kane is going to start for England. He's going to be, if you're playing a single forward, that's going to be him until it's not him. And so you can look at other forwards who come in and see like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll get a game here and we'll see if they're as sharp. But for the foreseeable future, we know we have Harry Kane. And I feel like the United States so rarely has those players that like right now we have some ideas of who we start and where. Situation or no, uh, I mean for team. the national team. That like, okay, like, yeah. And so because of that, I think we're always looking for like who is going to be the Harry Kane as opposed to who's going to be the next Harry Kane. Yeah. And that's where I think we're looking for like guys who aren't even starting or an eight, 19-year-old who's got a few minutes for Ver- Verde Bremen. Yeah. Maybe that's going to be our starter. We're not looking for the next starter. We're looking for our current starter. And yeah. that ma- is what makes it so much more pressing and terrifying when that player who's 20 or 21 isn't getting every single minute. We get yeah. a little bit more nervous. And that was, the final point is the thing I think we talked about this on the Thursday, the mm-hmm. Wednesday show, the listening question show. Time is meaningless. Lampard has said, like, Pulisic's essentially a young player. Yeah. And there are other young players, and they're all just competing for minutes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It just so happens that he's competing less successfully than some others <laughs> right now. For now. For, for now. now. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, so we should, we should keep it rolling, right? We who's, should. Who's next on your list, Taylor? A, a player who is uh, competing for minutes and doing so by playing those minutes. It's Weston McKenney. Let's yes! talk Weston. I watched uh, him this morning. He did? He yeah. did? You did? Did you enjoy everything you saw? Uh, mostly, yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a stellar, stellar performance, but it was certainly effective. I want to talk about that exact okay. uh, uh, evaluation of him in a moment. Uh, but yes, started, uh, played, I believe, the whole game in a 3-1 to win over RB Leipzig. May have come out at the end, I forget. Um, but then, like, and that was in a more, like, like right side of midfield. Still central, but, like, maybe right side of a yeah. diamond at times. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. occasionally wider. Schalke played nice mm-hmm. and compact, and I think tried to hit Leipzig on the counter, yeah. which I think is the way to play against RB Leipzig. And works so very well. And we've yeah. seen uh, McKinney pull off some lovely counterattacks already mm-hmm. this season. But then, earlier in the week, against Mainz uh, in a 2-1 to win... McKenney plays as a number 10 almost. And so we're still seeing him played in a variety of different positions. Uh, Brian Sharetta retweeted somebody. I can't remember who it was, so I apologize. But they posted like where McKenney's touches have been this season, and it's just the whole field. Like it's all over the place yeah. because he's still playing a lot of different roles for Schalke. He also gets around a lot. He does. Yeah. <laughs> like, but no, <laughs> yeah. Even when he's just played as a central yeah. midfielder, you're still going to get McKenney. Charging over to the left wing and doing this and that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah tr- totally true. But I think that's that's what I'm trying to emphasize here is like we had this conversation a couple weeks ago and I said like, oh, he's still playing a, a bunch of different positions. And you're like, well, not the way he was. And I realized it was that I, like you heard positions because that's what I said. And you were like, well, no, he's playing central midfield, just a different variety of central midfield, yeah. which is where I'm now trying to emphasize that he's playing a similar position consistently, but he's doing different roles in that position. Yes, so the, the, the good thing this season under David Wagner mm-hmm. is they're all midfield roles. They're just variations on midfield roles. As opposed to last season under Tedesco, he was like right back. Yep. He was right center back. He was center forward one week. Like these are just completely different jobs, right? Yes. As opposed to just little tweaks on midfield jobs. So I think we feel a bit better about the some positional consistency, yep. at least in terms of midfield positions. I think it's I think it's absolutely that that it's a bit more specified, but yeah. it's definitely also the case that Schalke are winning. Currently in the Champions League yes. spot after the win today, the third, third place. Yeah. And I, so I miss good Schalke. It's good to see <laughs> oh, them back. I definitely do, but like <laughs> think about it from this perspective. If he were doing this still, but now it's like he's a number 8, but maybe he's a number 6, occasionally he's a number 10. Sometimes he's a, like a support striker and Schalke are 11th in the table. We're like, "Uh, I don't know." Yeah. But he's doing all those things. Wagner knows what he's doing with McKenny, whereas Tedesco was just like 
Yeah. Uh, play right back. And that's where, like, I don't think this is me overthinking it. It might well be, but I'm inclined to say that him doing a bunch of different things is not an issue. And to, like, yeah, yeah. And to what you said in the very beginning, to paraphrase it, so many of the tweets I see about McKinney playing and kind of, like, the reviews of his game, the weekend reviews and, and things like that are, well, he didn't have, like, much of an obvious impact. He didn't stand out in a meaningful way. He wasn't involved in the goal. Or, like, but... All of those aren't necessarily bad things. It means to me that he's the glue, that he's the yes. player you don't notice. And I have a feeling that if you and I went back and watched a Schalke game, if we went back and watched that entire Leipzig game again and just focused on him, it's one of those things where suddenly we see him doing so much more than we realize. Lots of pressure on the ball. Yes. Lots of headers won. Lots of uh, getting in the box mm-hmm. to attack headers. There's, yeah, McKay's very involved. Even if Because there's also the case that a lot of US fans will maybe mm-hmm. only watch the Schalke highlights and maybe you don't see him, but it's the small things. Right? Yeah, and like, Those are the glue things. There was one today when uh, they tried to counterattack. They broke with the center back. McKenney sat back and played center back until the, like, the other one came in. Yeah. But you have to have that awareness and that positional discipline to be able to not have positional discipline, essentially, when it's allowed. Yeah. And I say all that because it makes me excited that to have a guy who can sort of do a bunch of different things for a, right now at least, a decent to good Bundesliga team yeah, top four. means top that three. he's adaptable, that he can adjust what he needs to do. So if Greg Berhalter needs him to start as an eight, but as an eight, but then maybe become like an eight slash ten, but then never mind, now you're a six, he can kind of just make those adjustments because that's what he's yeah. already doing for David Wagner and Schalke. I'm, I'm still waiting for him to have a U.S. men's national team game where mm-hmm. he runs the show. See, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not sure we're going to see that. No? And like, but like I don't – I guess what I'm realizing is like if he's never running the show for Schalke but always doing the little roles that allow other people to run the show, yeah. then maybe expecting him to run the show for the U.S. is where we're going to keep having frustration. So maybe he can just help Michael Bradley run the show? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Or like, like set up- Andy Richter to Conan O'Brien. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, a more athletic? No. Well, some disrespect to Andy Richter. <laughs> um, although I know he has one of three brothers could come beat me up. Rocky Richter, I think, is the violent one. Um, but but uh, So I think like if we see Weston McKinney as the guy who's doing all the other work, so yeah, maybe Michael Bradley or maybe Tyler Adams or maybe Christian Pulisic can yeah. do other things, then maybe that lets me see his game a little bit differently. So that's yeah. almost I'm going to watch him play for the U.S. a little bit differently now, having watched more of his shot. Are you having this experience of like going and focusing yes. on these guys individually makes you think about their U.S. role yes. a little differently? It's almost like actually watching them has a huge impact in understanding <laughs> of the players, yes. Okay, many more players to talk about. Yes. And not that much time to do it in. <laughs> we'll see how we go. Uh, but, so we should get to today's first sponsor. Let's do it. Um, it's still September. It is. It's still National Life Insurance Awareness Month. It so is. today's first sponsor is Policy Genius. That's right. Many people aren't even aware that they need life insurance, and those who don't do know that they need it don't often know how to get it, uh, speaking for very much myself in this case. <laughs> That's why 40% of Americans do not have it, but getting life insurance does not need to be difficult or expensive. Right now, prices are the lowest they've been in 20 years. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is, but the prices are the lowest they've been in 20 years. And then Policy Genius has made it easier than ever for you to get covered. So if not now, then when? I mean, I think like you could go that route. You could go the because Policy Genius provides many different types of insurance. You've got home insurance, auto insurance, disability insurance. I'm going to assume that somewhere in there is career insurance. So with some of the guys we're talking about, maybe they completely fall off the radar, and hopefully there's a coverage package there to catch them career when insurance. maybe they fall into like, but it's like a three. I, I doubt our listeners need professional soccer uh, career insurance. You never know. You never know who's out there. <laughs> Policy Genius is the easiest mm-hmm. way to shop for life insurance online. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurance 
insurers and find the best price. Seriously, the reason you would use Policy Genius is instead of fumbling around the internet mm-hmm. blind trying to find the best price, you just go to policygenius.com. Shop, say you're shopping for life insurance, you get all the best quotes all in one place, mm-hmm. and then you know you're getting the best deal. And I'll say, like, my wife, like, we had a gap period between when her student health insurance options expired and when we picked them back up when she became gamefully employed. So we had to go through and, like, find a private vendor for health insurance and life insurance. And that was not fun because then you open it up and you start getting all these solicitations and phone calls and emails and mail. Leave it to Policy Genius. Yes, They'll do all that work for source, you. Yeah. Yes, and you one get them all source. kind of aggregated and you're good to go. So if you need life insurance but you just haven't gotten around to it. National Life Insurance Awareness Month is a as good a time as any to get started. So you go to policygenius.com, you get the quotes and you apply in minutes and you can do the whole thing even on your phone. You don't even need your laptop. You don't even need your laptop. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. All right. So we've gotten three Americans abroad updated. Daryl, who's up next? It's Tim Ream. Ooh, okay. All right. So he's one of these guys who... Timothy. I thought of as like maybe when you're selecting a U.S. men's national team starting mm-hmm. 11, he's in there, but no one's excited. You yawn him, while right? you write him down. Kind of, right? <laughs> yeah. I have a new appreciation for Tim mm-hmm. Ream after watching lots of footage of him playing for Fulham in the championship. All right. So I promise this is the case. I know it's a little dorky. I had a feeling you would because you tend right. to appreciate center backs. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. that when we were drawing these up, I was like, maybe you should take Tim Ream and like see if he's better in possession. Oh, than we thought you yeah, I, 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 I really wanted to see what you'd think because you tend to like pick up nuances of central defending yeah, yeah. and what they're doing for their team. So I'm excited to hear that you came away with a new appreciation <laughs> of Tim Ream. All right. So Fulham are doing okay, mm-hmm. like top half, mid-table-ish. Uh, they're playing a back four. Tim Ream is the regular left centre-back, partnering Alfie Mawson. Remember Alfie Mawson? Of course. Um, the his- man who I said was definitely going to go to the World Cup, I believe, with England? Yeah, I mean, he hey. might have gone as a spectator. Um, <laughs> so Tim Ream is playing left, left centre-back with Alfie Mawson. Here's what I, I think I saw the, the qualities of Tim Ream and also the limitations of Tim Ream, like the reasons we're not excited about him and also the reasons why... He was on a relegated Premier League team and there wasn't a scramble from other Premier League teams to hold on to him. I've been really wanting to know this. Yeah, I think Tim Ream is a very good championship player. Um, I think he could probably hack it at a mid to low end Premier League team, but they're not going to come after him because he's not that fast and he's not like dominant in the air. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like he's six foot one. He can win. You've seen him win yeah. plenty of headers. It is not a thing I would say like, oh yeah, Tim Ream dominant in the right, air. Right, but I've win also, um, I'm going to talk about them later. I've also watched John Brooks and Matt Miazga, big dudes who just win everything in the air. They just eat everything that comes their way. Tim Ream's not quite that guy. What he is, is a guy who is very, very smart about angles and positioning. I that saw so many things where there were crosses come in or low balls come in, Tim Ream blocks them and clears them, mm-hmm. or Tim Ream intercepts them and takes possession of the ball. I've seen a lot of things where a striker sort of gets in on goal and Tim Ream just closes down the angle and just shepherds him away from goal until suddenly there's not really a shooting angle and that striker's opportunity is gone. It's about Tim Ream being a sort of smart, cerebral type of centre-back who gets the angles right and mm-hmm. makes sure that... Um, Chances don't appear where they could have. That, that that makes sense and is another reason why I'm excited to do this show because it helps me like crystallize or like actually verbalize things that I felt, which is that like you think about John Brooks, you know he's going to be dominant in the air. We've seen yeah. him do that on both sides of the ball. Matt Miazga has that attitude, like the Diego Lena is I'm taller than you yeah, moment, yeah. and you think of them as being these kind of like aggressive, they're going to kind of battle a little bit. Tim Ream is not, you're right, I don't think of it as being dominant, but I also wouldn't say like aggressive Tim Ream, like yeah. he's like battling for everything, scrapping for stuff. Yeah, yeah. So not, he, not that he's not capable 
capable of like yeah. putting some fight in. He just doesn't have the physical size right. that other like centre back like Virgil Van Dijk's a big dude. Yeah, for example, exactly. Right? I was going to the extreme example of the best defender in the world. That's fair. Right now, I thought you said it was Joe Matip. Yeah, I mean, he's almost equally good. The other thing about Tim Ream mm. is his passing. Right? Yeah. I think I think it's underrated for the US men's national team. I think if you rewatch a lot of men's national team games, you see a lot of uh, sharp, smart passing from Tim Ream, getting himself out of trouble and being able to play balls into midfield. Same thing for Fulham. He is very composed. You'll see him like, bring the ball down and he will find a pass into midfield. Mm. He will find a nice pass on the floor. He's also very good. Um, and, and this current Fulham team, Scott Parker is the manager of like, clipped or chipped balls forward and finding either the feet or the chest of Alexander Mitrovic. Mm-hmm. You know the combative Serbian striker? Yeah. People might remember him from the World Cup. Like, he's very much a good target man that you play the ball into, right? But Tim Ream is not banging big, long balls that Mitrovic then has to fight in the air to maybe bring down. Tim Ream is very nicely just clipping balls in that Mitrovic can, you know, put his back into a defender and take on his chest. And a lot of Fulham moves start mm. that way with a really precise ball from Ream to Mitrovic. So, so I think yeah. that, I feel like I've got a really good understanding of Ream's game now. Good with the angles, lots of blocks and interceptions because he's so smart about what he does. Really good passing coming out of the back, but doesn't have the size or speed to be this sort of elite defender that say Liverpool would want to sign two things so there, there you go there's my Tim Ream analysis I like it two things there one uh, you, Reams an- of it. you answered a question for me well done you answered a question because I was wondering why Fulham weren't doing so well this season why they weren't higher up on the table because I thought they would be yeah. you've answered they it they were 7th with- because they won on Friday but uh-huh. I'm sure they've been overtaken by other championship teams winning today that could be you've also answered it with Scott Parker is still the manager so that <laughs> makes sense but my other question is like is there anything that you would like to see him develop this season or the I next mean, six he's months he's not going to get faster or bigger gotcha so well, it is I mean, what it is. He can't like hang from the banisters and stretch himself to six three. But he can. Okay, but but as an, okay, <laughs> drawn. He can like get the horses pulling him, pulling yeah. him apart and see what happens. Yeah, they, I guess they'd have to pull him apart like width wise if he wants to get a little bit wider. Yeah, and I bigger. think there's the whole risk of him actually coming apart. So yeah, let's not I'm do not that. For it, but let's instead see him as like 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 to my earlier point, like not Harry Kane, but like a like you know a knockoff version. Like he can be our Harry Kane center back until somebody else comes along. But if we have that kind of placeholder center back, yeah. then we can feel a little bit better until somebody else pushes and him out. Next time he's in the US starting mm-hmm. eleven, either as left back or left center back, I'm going to be a lot happier having mm-hmm. watched all this footage because I feel more confident about him. All right, all right, who's up next? Uh, a man who I've watched lots and lots of footage on from this season many many moments it's Tyler Adams oh, no. uh, and I'm going to start off this is going to be a short one isn't it uh, a little bit uh, I'm going to start off with the scouting report my next three all have scouting reports okay. uh, from Alexander King scouting Tyler Adams while recovering from his abductor strain Adams also picked up a foot injury which explains why he's been out for so long I didn't know that I thought this was all the abductor yeah so it's, yeah. it's both it's been kind of like dealing with both issues uh, and then as Alexander notes he recently returned to training and will hopefully be back soon Brian Shoretta I think reported this as well noting that I think he's like at the point where it's unlikely we see him in the October friendlies, since those are right around the corner. So November, probably more likely. But at least we're going to see him probably start getting some minutes at some point, probably as a substitute, uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks. So RB Leipzig, mm-hmm. they lost today to Schalke. They They've did. had a strong start to the season, they right? They were top. I think Bayern Munich are top now, but they were top. Mm-hmm. They're second now. Um, has somebody taken what was Adam's starting role in central midfield? Who's he? I don't know how much research you've done, mm-hmm. so if you don't have the answer, you don't have it. But I'm wondering, who's he up against and what are the chances of him getting back into that first team? So um, I would say pretty decent, and I'll explain why in a second. The ones like that like stand out from their most recent games, uh, not including today because Conrad uh, Lehmer, uh, who's in their number six, he played with Adams last season. Uh, this time around, he didn't play because he had a red card uh, in their uh, game 
uh, earlier in the week, so or last weekend, so that's why he wasn't there, which maybe explains part of the loss today. But then you've got uh, Christopher Nkunku, who plays as a number eight. Marcel Sabitzer also plays as a number eight. So I feel like you could see him kind of, uh, him being Adams, rotated in amongst those three. Okay. But I think the biggest thing that we should be sort of excited about, optimistic about is probably a better way to put it, is that Julian Nagelsmann, uh, Nagelsmann for RB Leipzig has been incredibly flexible this season. He deploys like three formations like uh, to varying degrees at various times with different approaches but they're all rooted in pressing and like very aggressive fast passing which yeah. is essentially what Tyler Adams has been doing yeah. so, so you're confident that he'll just fit straight back in as soon as he's fit like because the fundamentals are still the same but because Nagelsmann is okay with like okay we're going to have two midfielders okay now we're going to have four central midfielders he's not sort of married to like okay oh, yeah, we're sometimes playing sometimes it's the 4222 two, 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 two. yeah well, but like 4222 two, two. but if it was like a 4222 two, two, and he had the same two and two starting every single game, then I'd be like, oh, he doesn't really like to rotate or vary it up. Yeah. So Adams is basically going to have to replace one of oh, those. Oh, is rotation part of the, especially yes. you play that high energy mm-hmm. game. You, I mean, it doesn't matter how much actual Red Bull you drink, yeah. <laughs> but you're going to get tired eventually, right? Yeah. So you need squad rotation to effectively play that high energy pressing yeah. system. And if you're playing a cha- like a midweek... So rotate cha- Adams in. Exactly. Because if you're playing a midweek Champions League game where you need to prep by playing a 4 then you can't you do that. Win if you, did that. <laughs> you probably would, yes. Um, 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 then, like, you can prep some of your midfielders to play that way while still prepping, like, Saturday for maybe, a, like, a different approach. Yeah. So you have different options. So I do think we'll see Adams get more minutes. I was initially concerned with, like, oh, uh, it's going to be, like, slow comeback. He'll get minutes here and there. Then he's going to sit on the bench for a while and hopefully play himself back in. Uh, Instead, so some- I think maybe more minutes... I shouldn't say soon, but I think sooner than I initially anticipated. That's genuinely something to look forward to in the next couple of months of the season is Tyler Adams' return at RB Leipzig. I would say so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I've never been happier to have uh, Fubo TV and Fox Sports (laughs) 1 and 2. I I will be happier when we can turn it on and see him playing. But yes, right now, I take the point. (laughs) Well, speaking of young Americans playing in the Bundesliga, Mm -hmm. up next for me, Joshua Sargent. I'm going to give him his full name. Um, So, quick update. This morning or Mm -hmm. this afternoon, uh, US time, Josh Sargent got himself an assist. Uh, playing for Bremen against mm-hmm. Dortmund, he had um, a shot that was blocked, went out for a corner. Corner came in, Sargent flicked it to the far post, and Bremen equalised against Dortmund. He also had that goal, what, uh, I can't remember how many weeks, maybe two or three weeks ago against Augsburg, you know, the one where he mm-hmm. lifted it over the... He oh, yeah. burst in on goal, right, he was right. like, played the offside line nicely. Mm-hmm. Really close quarters with the keeper, lifted it over the keeper, ran around the other side and scored. Right. So Josh Sargent has a couple of good moments i'll talk more about his wider game first thing i want to say though is josh Sargent at 19 starting in the bundesliga but it's because he's been lucky yes there's been a lot of injuries to Werder bremen strikers mm-hmm. this season um so they usually play front two you've had yuya osako finn bartels nicholas fulkruger all out injured right now claudio pizarro is 40 years old yeah so he can't play this much and uh milo rashitska uh, who is back, but he was injured. He's only just come back from an injury. Sargent has really benefited from an injury crisis of strikers mm-hmm. at Werder Bremen. I would say he's not taken like full advantage and scored a million goals of this opportunity, but I think he's done enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because it's not as though Werder Bremen last season were setting the world alight, scoring a billion no. goals. Sargent comes in and suddenly they dry up. This was an issue they dealt with last season, yeah. an issue they're probably still trying to rectify. So it's one of those where, though, we would rather see him on the score sheet consistently, and obviously we hope that ends up being the case. It's also one where when I when I see an assist, I'm really excited, as yes. opposed to, like, honestly, if Pulisic got an assist for Chelsea, it'd be good that he was on the field, but it probably would not be as exciting to me as Josh Sargent getting an assist. Oh, that's as strange as 
that might sound. I mean, it depends how deep the Pulisic crisis gets, right? That's probably true. You might feel differently in three weeks. That's definitely true. <laughs> Here's a, so I've watched a lot of Sargent to research for this show. Yeah. Um, and I've seen him play sometimes as a central striker. because mm-hmm. They played like a 4-3-2-1 today against Dortmund. But often as a front two. Uh, where the front two will have to sort of, uh, one will hold the ball up and one will run in behind, or they'll be like uh, chasing wide balls out wide. The thing I think Josh Sargent is really, really good at is when Bremen try to counter-attack, he will be back, he's back to a defender, the ball comes into his feet, he doesn't have the physical size, like say like a Didier Drogba to like, you know, just be mm-hmm. barrel-chested and hold, hold it up. What he does really well is take the initial first touch to get him a bit of space away from the defender that's coming for him. And then he's very good at finding a clever, accurate layoff pass. You've seen this for the US when he mm-hmm. plays for the US, yeah. right? It's like the ball comes into him, touch that like takes him into a little bit of space, keeps the defender having to move, and then he, f- then he finds the layoff pass. Yes. I think Josh Sargent is getting really, really, really good at this. The problem is sometimes the lack of strength is enough that the defender will sort of bash into the back of him mm-hmm. before he can take that first touch away, and he'll get muscled off the ball. So it's kind of a 50-50 thing. It's either a really impressive touch and layoff, and then the move continues and off we go. Um, actually, uh, Bremen's first goal comes about from something like that from Sargent today. Uh, or it's, you know, this 19-year-old kid mm-hmm. getting out muscled and doesn't quite have room to manoeuvre. I'm okay with it because he's 19. Yeah, I yeah. think that's probably realistic and up. reasonable. You know what yes. I'm saying? And he's shown, like, most 19-year-old strikers don't have the game smarts that allow them to uh, take that touch away from pressure and then find the clever layoff pass. So mm. I'm really excited that he's able to do that at least 50% of the time. Yeah, I, I think, and that makes sense to me, that, that number you just threw out, because, like... That's not an accurate, that's not from Stats Bomb or anything, by the way. That's like a Daryl eye test guess that, how but, often he's doing it. But that's fine, because I'd rather that than the player who, like, I know this, again, I know this sounds a little bit ludicrous, but, like, rather than, like, Josh Sargent scores two goals and we're all really excited, and then he, like, looks like he can't even control the ball for a game. Like, we've seen this before with yeah. kind of streaky players, and then suddenly he scores another goal, and then he has two games in a row where he doesn't play in the third game. He, like, scores an own goal and dribbles out of bounds, and we're like, uh-oh, yeah. but then he scores a brace, and we're like, we don't know what to make of it. <laughs> to have it be sort of he's got little things in his game or even medium to large things in his game that he needs to develop, I, I strangely take solace in that, that it's like, okay, he can yeah. improve that, he can work on that as opposed to just like, I have no idea what to expect from him from any <laughs> given day. I, I, like, I like this. It makes me feel slightly calmer. And I will say, if you decide to watch Josh Sargent play mm-hmm. for Werder Bremen, um, it may be, this may be just because he's played against the two games I watched recently were Dortmund today and last weekend it was uh, Leipzig. So two big teams, right? Um, Bremen play a sort of quite defensive then counter-attacking type of football so he's in a weird way not heavily involved it's a lot of like Bremen panicky clearances and him having to try and hold it up so in a weird way you won't see a lot of just Sargent being involved because Bremen aren't dominating games you know what I mean his involvement's (laughs) a few and far between maybe that's good practice for the US men's national team Um, but given the rate of tattoo that we've seen at what point when are we going to see a neck tattoo from Josh Sargent do you think that happens this season or do we think it's just going to be the full sleeves for a while I think yeah he'll he'll concentrate on torso and arms for a while (laughs) that's the other part of his game he needs to focus on when he does the one time switch to Chile that's when he'll (laughs) go for the neck at the very least Um, well we've now entered the part of the show where I have slightly less optimistic reports to get to Uh, but before we get to those 
maybe we should talk about today's sponsor, you Manscaped. About, you want to talk about some Manscaped? I certainly do. All the right, number one company from uh, in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision. What do you mean by below-the-belt? I don't understand. Uh, well, there's a belt here, yeah. and then the area between your belt and your feet, slightly higher yeah. up. Size? <laughs> I mean, your groin area, Daryl. Oh. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Got it. <laughs> I was, I was about to just start dropping curse words. Groin and slightly below. <laughs> we do have the beep function. I could just <laughs> go real graphic and leave people wondering. Uh, but Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Oh, you should have said family jewels. I was then trying to been, get there. Then it would have known what I you meant. I was trying. I was trying. <laughs> Daryl, talk about Manscaped. I mean <laughs> – if you use an inferior product, mm-hmm. there are a chance that your family jewels get damaged. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the thing about jewels is you don't need to damage them. You do not. You want to keep them pristine and uh, unharmed. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and being in and out of the hospital, as Daryl has been. Yeah. Like, None of my hospital visits Manscaped related, by the way. That, that's good. <laughs> Which they wouldn't be because they have proprietary skin-safe technology. That means you're not going to nick or snag. You're not going to be in the yard. That's very important. But also... I, like you know, uh, you got to put on the house, hospital gown. You know who's going to check you out, Daryl? You got some lightning bolts or anything that you've uh, you've used the trimmer to make happen? <laughs> I should have, right? I should. Yeah. <laughs> should you have? I should. All right, maybe not. Because <laughs> I know where your head's at. <laughs> I like that idea. But Manscaped also has uh, other products we've talked about before, such as the Crop Preserver, Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant moisturizer. Uh, yeah. We are currently for your jewels. For your jewels, always deodorize your jewels. <laughs> the hanging parts of your jewels. <laughs> um, we are currently in the season yeah. known as yeah, exactly the current season known as. As second summer here in Richmond, yes. where it's 95 degrees outside. Long live second summer, I say. Yes. I hope it lasts all the way through February. And also don't get piercings down there. But uh, yeah, so maybe either is going to be a little bit of chafing. You're still going to maybe be sweating on occasion. So you may, maybe want the crop preserver to help you uh, deal with that and keep it fresh. If you want to get 20% off mm-hmm. plus free shipping um, for the Lawnmower 2.0, which yeah. is the, uh, the uh, proprietary uh, technology mm-hmm. trimmer, um, use the code TSS, which stands for... Totally safely shaved. Okay. Um, at manscaped.com. I like that you always TSS do that. At manscaped.com. <laughs> you always back yourself in and then you panic for a moment, but you pulled yeah, it off I'm this time. Out, yeah. Well done. I think there's only been one occasion where you did not pull it off yeah. and it was like a five Mississippi silence. <laughs> but thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring today's episode. And one more time, that's manscaped.com and use the code TSS. 20% off and free shipping. 20% off and free shipping. TSS at manscaped.com. All right, let's talk Tyler Boyd for a moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, do I want to? Am I excited for this or not? You're not. I'm, uh, ign- I'm ignorant of what he's been doing since the move to Besiktas. It's, from your face and tone of voice, it's not good. A lot of nothing. <gasps> uh, from Nathan Howman, scouting report. Oh. Uh, to scouting Tyler Boyd. Uh, here is the list of good things that Tyler Boyd has done in the past month or so. He got into a really good position to get on the end of a cross from Jordan Morris for the U.S. Men's National Team versus Uruguay. Uh, such good position that it seemed impossible to miss. This concludes the list. Uh, five Ooh. games into the Super League season, Besiktas is 11th with five points and a negative one goal difference. Uh, in that time, that's Tyler, bad for Besiktas, right? They're normally a good team. Yeah, I mean they're the reigning champions. It's not great. Oh, maybe they're not, but they're up there. They're usually at least near the top for sure. Uh, Tyler Boyd has two yellow cards uh, as the extent of his statistical contributions, and his playing time has dropped. That is definitely true. He started the first three Super League games in a row from mid to late August. Then, since those September friendlies... Super League is the Turkish League. Yes, yeah. excuse me. Uh, and uh, he has one appearance as a second-half sub, uh, 3-2 loss to Gaziantep. That was away. And basically, he was not in their Europa League squad, and he has not been getting minutes. Oof. He did not play today either. Have you been able to watch any footage of I him? I have, yes. And what, I mean, so mm-hmm. here's the thing. When we first saw Tyler Boyd in those pre-Gold Cup friendlies... I was super excited. I was mm. thinking, oh, we got another Pulisic-type player here, like a pacey winger who's going to run at people and make things happen. Right. 
like, did, did he forget how to run at people and make things happen? What's happened? So from what I watched, I think his strengths are 1v1 attacks yeah. and sort of basically making very quick decisions. That's like the best way I can explain but it. I like that. That sounds good. Yeah, I mean – Yes, except that that's kind of all he can do. Like, he can basically be quick out wide to get around somebody. He can sort of take a touch and then take another touch to get around. When he cuts inside, that's what we saw him do for the U.S. on occasion. That's when he started to get shots and look kind of dangerous. His crossing is very poor, especially when he does. You know that sort of thing where you're like 1v1. If you're, We see fullbacks do it a lot. They'll sort of feint inside, cut outside, get to the end line, and whip a ball in. Or maybe be 10 yards from the end line and kind of whip that bending ball around. Yeah. Like, with Tyler Boyd, he goes for that, and it never gets past the first defender. It never clears that first center back. It's There's almost no point beating the man if what you're going to deliver is just a ball into the knees of a very, first defender. Very, very true. So it consistently, even the times that he does like put on a show and beat somebody, that cross doesn't find its intended target. And then what he, so what he offers there is kind of mixed. And his defense is really, really not great. Oh. It's a lo- in one v one especially. He really struggles to break down uh, attackers. Like people just going past him. Yes. And then also, because I think he's used to playing a little bit further forward, when he drops in, it's a lot of sort of late recognition or not quite being on top of his mark. So I've seen goals where he is not like in the end directly responsible, but it's like he fails to track the wide midfielder. He's kind of drifting back. He goes to the midfielder who then plays somebody in who then squares it for the goal. I see. But he is a big part, not the only part, but a big part of why Beshtash have defensive deficiencies when he's in there. So... I've forgotten who he was with last season in Turkey. Mm-hmm. It was like more like a mid-table Turkish team. Oh yeah, right. right. Is it possible that this move Anka to Besiktas? Anka, could you? I forget which one it was. Is it possible this move to Besiktas is a step too high for Tyler Boyd right now? It seems like the system isn't complementary to what he brings, and I think also probably Besiktas like lost Ricardo Karesma in the off season. So I think not having some Ooh, of those their are very, big, big, big uh, outside of the foot boots. They, sh- they certainly are <laughs> exactly. And so when you lose sort of that like marquee of a name and some other like role players as well, and he comes in, I think he's probably not quite attuned to what this like yeah. is being asked of him and what he needs to be doing. Right now, at least. Now, maybe that changes, but as the report indicates, and from what I saw, his minutes are definitely declining. So, so maybe we do have another Pulisic. So maybe we do have another Pulisic, <laughs> yes. Exactly, in the end, yes. And he, It's good we can laugh about it. It is. Uh, and my, <laughs> It's kind of a bummer. My final note on him is just that he does seem to be a very emotional player, which is to say he seems like a quicksand player. That mm. when he came on against Gaziantep, I think Besiktas ended with only nine men. Gaziantep finished with ten. But you could see Boyd, as soon as he got beaten in that 1v1, then he doesn't track as well. So then when he goes to clear a ball, there's one where he whiffs. So then the ball comes into him and he tries to turn. He does that sort of turn without controlling and it goes into the defender and goes off. And like you can just see his decision-making be less and less intelligent and more and more like, I've really got to try something. I've really got to make something work. And when you're sort of desperate, is what they say about gambling, like never gamble when you're desperate because yeah. then you need it as opposed to like you're just trying it. And that's what I feel like when you're sort of feeling it and you're just like, why not? I'll try this flick. That's what it comes on. But when you're like, please, Lord, let this flick come off, it goes right into the defender. Oh, so there's a good player in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. We just got to hope that he emerges. Let's hope. At Let's hope so. Okay. Moving on. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Enough Tyler Boyd. I think um, so. Matt Miazga. Mm-hmm. Matt Miazga playing, uh, he's on loan from Chelsea um, at Reading uh, in the EFL Championship. Um, you may remember he missed the recent friendlies for the US. Uh, he missed a month at Reading with a hamstring injury, mm-hmm. but he's back now. He played in the uh, EFL Cup against Wolves in midweek. Um, he's back playing for Reading. They play a back three. Matt Miazga plays on the right side of a back three, which is kind of odd to watch him play there because I'm so used to seeing him play centre, centre back. Well, you know, right yeah, centre-back. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, for the US men's national team. Are you okay with it? 
Have you come to terms with it? I've come to terms okay, with it, good. yeah. Here's what I like about Matt Miazga playing in the championship. Um, championship's a tough league, right? Mm-hmm. He's winning physical battles. Matt Miazga is fighting and winning physical battles mm-hmm. on the ground, in the air. He's winning a lot of headers. There's a lot of Matt Miazga headed clearances from crosses that come in. And there's a lot of Matt Miazga, you know, stepping towards the halfway line, towering above someone and either like getting a foot around to get there first or just getting his head to something, winning that ball first. Okay. Yeah. I like that. And I like that especially because like what we were talking about earlier with Tim Ream. I don't think of, I think of Matt Miazga as being like maybe bigger, maybe a little bit stronger. Oh, he's definitely t- He's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, yeah. Sure. But like, but like, and maybe has a little bit more muscle to him. Yeah. But it's more about like that tenacity, that sort of aggressiveness that I feel like you see Tim Ream is maybe more cerebral. Yeah. Matt Miazga is going to be the one to step in and win and then kind of like shove the person off at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And that sometimes is what you need in the championship. You yes. See? Six foot three. There we Matt go. Miazga. Yeah, and you know, willing to mm-hmm. jump at things in the air. Um, the thing <laughs> is that, that what his resume says? The thing that I couldn't decide is I've seen him half beaten one v one on mm-hmm. the floor multiple times. And yeah. what I mean by that is there'll be an attacker running at him, and he'll get into that sort of defensive crouch. You know what I mean? Uh, and the player will sort of get just enough separation to get a shot away or get across. But the cross won't be very good, or the shot won't be very good. And mm-hmm. I can't decide if Matt Miazga has been beaten by a low-quality player who just doesn't manage to deliver a good cross or deliver a good shot, or if Matt Miazga has done enough to block all the good angles, and so the only angle that the striker can create is a kind of hit-and-hope angle. I honestly just don't know. I watched a lot of footage and could not decide, and I don't want to come here and pretend that I know either way. That, that is like... That is frustrating. Can you though. picture what I'm talking about? I, like, I know the exactly. guy gets just yeah. in space to get something away, but what he gets away is not very good. But it, but it also is like it's it's annoying because you want to be able to say like, oh, he's he does this poorly and needs to work on it, or yeah. he does this really well and he doesn't might need to work on it. Doing it well, and I just don't exactly. But when you're like, maybe, but I don't know, but it could be, but yeah. might not. Yeah, then it makes it harder to really evaluate and know and, it also, and have that confidence that you want in a centre back. And it also makes it hard to be able to say like, he's killing it in the Championship. Yeah. He can cut it in the Premier League. Watching him in the Championship, he's doing great but I honestly can't confidently say there's enough there that he's ready to take a step up like I would okay. say maybe the championship is the right place for him right now right all right so yeah. is there anything though that you think he could uh, like similar question uh, as I've asked with a couple others like is there anything that you think he could really develop and if he like moves it to that next level well, then he maybe could start for Chelsea or could start elsewhere in the Prem well there's a thing I want to see him develop not just in terms of playing in the Premier League but also in terms of playing for Greg Bell mm-hmm. for the US Men's National Team and it's the passing out of the back okay right like we've seen sometimes he has good games for the US Men's National Team where he will break lines with passes and like find the feet of a striker or find feet of um, attacking midfielders from the back right and that's it's really exciting because it's progress for the US. We're literally progressing the ball mm-hmm. forward. Everything I've seen from Reading, it's not just Matt Miazga, but Reading as a team. There's a lot of Matt Miazga at right centre-back. So you shunt it out on the right a little bit, just chipping balls, like banging balls down the line for strikers to try and run into channels. E. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it looks like it's not Matt Miazga's desperate and this is the only thing he can do. I think it's Reading's style of play. Okay. It's to play longish or at least direct balls for strikers to chase. So it's a lot of Miazga just hitting balls into channels like that. So yeah. maybe it's the wrong place for him to be working on short passing if that's not what he's being asked to do. All right. Yeah. But maybe if he so continues... maybe he should go and play for Leeds or something. There we go. Okay, you know let's do that mid-season. Let's just get that transfer. Will we good yeah. to go? Or just make sure uh, Reading fire some people? 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe Reading need a, a, a passing first type of manager to, <laughs> okay, cool. to, to take over. I think that's the thing we're just not going to see from Reading. We're not going to see from Matt Miazga because that's not the style of play. All right. Yeah. All right. But he's doing great um, for what's asked of him, which is to be physical, to battle, to win balls and bang some balls down the line for Reading. All right. Well, <laughs> from a player who's getting minutes and maybe like hasn't necessarily moved up to that next level, we'll go to a player who's not getting uh, minutes and therefore also has not moved up to that next level. It's Timothy Weah of Lille. Uh, oh. Lille currently fourth, I believe, in Ligue 1. Uh, Timothy Weah not getting minutes because he's been injured. Uh, okay. He starts the first... Or he I'm gets, not happy he's injured, but I'm happy that's the reason he's not getting minutes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, starts one game, plays the second, uh, so he's like involved in the first two games of the season for Lille. Then, uh, after that, in training, gets a hamstring injury that I believe Greg Berhalter referred to as a very bad hamstring tear. Ooh. That sounds not great. Since then, he has not played. He has not even trained, as far as I know, or at least is not back to regular training for Lille. So, so no, he has no not featured. No games for Timothy Weir in October. Uh, seems very unlikely, yeah. yes. Uh, and he That's does... a shame, right? Because we were really looking forward to that call. We were, and it's a shame because he seems to have lots of competition on the wings for Lille. They play a variety of formations, but they've got lots of different people to kind of cycle in there. So he will have his work cut out for him. It, it feels like a, a Tyler Adams thing in the sense that because there's like consistently two wide attackers with a couple different names thrown in there. Maybe he'll get some chances, but yeah. it also feels I've like... I've seen him play through the middle as well as like yeah. a support striker. He can so, do that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are different possibilities for him that may end up being the case and maybe he ends up like becoming a starter for them but I went back and looked at uh, the one that lost to Amiens that's the one where I believe he subs on it may have been the one he started either way it still is the exact same thing which is essentially that like Everything about his game, in my opinion, is like twenty to twenty-five percent too rough. Like it's <laughs> always the touch is like twi- a diamond in the rough. Uh, I wish, but more like it's like everything like is like first first touch is twenty percent too far ahead of him. Yeah, like like. Uh, like first touch ball pops up 20% too high like the control is a little bit like he doesn't mark as much he doesn't track that run as much like it's all just it's very rough which is yeah. what he is he's it's a almost rough, like he's a teenager it's almost like he's a teenager exactly but contrasting him with other players like the final player I'm going to talk about you see very clear differences in how much work he still needs to do to improve and polish his technical development and okay. he really has to work at that I think when he comes back not just because he's missed time due to injury but because he's competing with seasoned professionals who have had match experience and keep elevating their game and if he comes in a little bit rough and also a little bit injured and doesn't kind of improve that technical ability when he does get a chance you don't know if he's going to score a goal or miscontrol the ball and it will go out of bounds so step one is we just hope that the hamstring heals yes. nicely yeah and we get Get Tim Weir fit, and mm-hmm. then we'll think about like him, uh, you know, learning some pro things. Yes, right? and, and 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 polishing the Tanzanite. And I mean this sincerely. That he is polishing the Tanzanite. And I mean this sincerely. That, like he is one technically who, rarer than diamonds. I'm not listening to you anymore. Uh, we know you write for a jewelry catalog. <laughs> e- easy, Jay Peterman. Uh, <laughs> but I will say this: like he is one who, when he does come back, if we don't see him play, but we know he's in training and first team training and working very very hard. Yeah, I will kind of be okay with that because to me, that's probably where he is right now. He's a younger player who's coming to a new team, who's been injured, who needs to work and improve his game and yeah. prove that he belongs at that level before we see him get minutes. So, so it, that, hopefully that's the story of his season. That's right? my hope. As he establishes himself back as a first team player. That is my hope. We shall see, okay. but that's what he needs to work on is getting fit and then just looking a little bit sharper 20% of the time. I will say the Chelsea Lille Champions League game that we were all excited about when we first saw the Champions League draw. Yeah. I think it's coming this week. Less so now. Maybe less exciting than we hoped for. A bit. Yeah. A bit. All right, we're going to keep it keep mm-hmm. it on a downer. Bobby Wood. Oh boy. Bobby Wood. So oh you may remember Bobby Wood playing for Hanover. Or last you may season. not. 
He was on loan from Hamburg. Yeah. Right? So he's back with Hamburg. And Hamburg are loving it. They're in the second Bundesliga. They're in the second tier of German football. They're doing fine. They're in the top two, or they were last, last time I looked. Bobby Wood has not on been fight starting. <laughs> Bobby Wood has not been starting. He has made three appearances so far in this two Bundesliga season for a grand total of 23 minutes. It's been like five minutes here, nine minutes there, that kind of... Those kind of appearances off the bench impact sub super sub i really have nothing to report he okay. just isn't he's not starting for he's not starting for hamburg he's barely getting any minutes it is not a good situation for bobby wood so we would just say for him maybe what he needs is a january move to a new team wherever that might be maybe or maybe just like fight your way back into that hamburg first team mm-hmm. w- would you be- it, would, it would be a good situation if he was playing and scoring for a team that was like in the top two or three of the second bundesliga i'd be excited about that all right right let me ask you this. Which of these three would you prefer? Would you rather he stay with Hamburg and like he still ends up only getting maybe every now and then he gets a start, more consistently gets like still 15 minutes but they get promoted? Would you rather see him go to a Bundesliga 2 team where he consistently starts and maybe gets some goals but they're lower down and he doesn't necessarily look as good as we've seen him look in the past? Or would you rather see him go to somewhere like DC United in the offseason or another major league soccer team and kind of start to kind of resurrect the career there because it does feel like that's where he's at is he needs a complete turnaround so of those three places where he could potentially turn it around which one would you most want to see hamburg okay i feel like i want him to turn it around and succeed at hamburg okay because still a big team right Mm -hmm. they happen to have been relegated for the first time in however long that clock ran for a long time right so i think if he can re-establish himself at hamburg there's a good chance they get promoted and then by next season He's a top-tier Bundesliga player. Uh, you know, yeah. first, first level Bundesliga yeah, yeah, player. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's our goal for him? That's is, our goal for him. Is to yeah. find a way back? Find a way Claw back. Claw your way back. Yeah. Fight and scratch. Yep. He's, he's gone down a, 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 a brambly path. <laughs> he's got to get himself back to the main road. All right. All right. Well, while he's doing that, I'll move us on to the final player I want to talk about, or the final player I'm going to talk about, yeah. uh, Sergino Dest, a man oh, yes. who I still don't know if he has a teal day in his name or not. It still is he up does, to debate. He definitely over does the end, he? Right? Yes. Do, I still don't know because it keeps not being written, and I can't tell if that's just people being lazy and not adding <laughs> it or what. Fine. Sergino Dest, scouted by Brian Hoysa, uh, the 18-year-old, 100% American and not at all Dutch defender for Ajax. <laughs> uh, Dest played the entire match for Ajax against PSV, contributing to their lone goal in a one-to-one draw with PSV. Oh, yeah, uh, he was involved in that move down the right. He got an MLS so, assist yeah. by crossing to Tadic in the box, who set up Quincy Promes for the goal. Um I would say this, having watched him in Ajax's 1-1 draw with PSV and then in their 5-1 win over Fortuna Siddard midweek, uh, everything I said about Timothy Weah is not the case for Serginho Dest. <laughs> That's what really stood out to me is he – I can't really explain it better than this. Like He makes the basics look so simple, but making things – look really simple is itself a, a like an incredibly technical skill. Okay. And that's the difference with him is that his technical ability, I really do think he's up there in terms of like active players right now for the US. So can you give me an example? Is it like just bringing balls down? Or yes. So there was one, he's standing on the touchline and it's like a 40-yard driven ball. It's nothing that's particularly like, he's, it's not Bergkamp, like he flicks it around somebody and runs to the other side, but right. it's more just the like the routine, like, oh, I love seeing that. Like there's a ball, it's like the right center back pings it into him diagonally, he's standing on the touchline, and he does that thing where he receives it with the inside of his right, but like simultaneously opens up to go towards goal. Mm. So that first touch, like he cushions it and then opens it up to the touchline with all with one touch and still puts the ball five yards ahead of him to then dribble forward. Okay. It's not that like settle, then turn, then dribble forward or yeah, anything yeah. like just that. Fast decision making and then the technique to, to follow through. Yes, yeah. but he just, he is so like 
precise in his attacks, and he's always looking for like like one twos and off the ball runs and nice simple passes. So his attacking play is excellent. His one v one defending is awful. It really, awful. really, really awful is. is yes, word. it is really, really bad. I mean, I thought when I watched him for the U twenty is like. Aerially, it was bad. You mean when he was playing up against other 20-year-olds? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But like, I always thought of him as like feisty and like wouldn't let people go past him and would fight for the ball. I mean, that is true. But what tends to happen from what I saw is that because he's so focused on attack and he does seem to be, when he's starting at that right back spot, he is always going forward immediately. I think then if they're caught in a counter and he's getting back, his priority is I'm sprinting back to get into shape. But it's that thing of like he's sprinting back at full speed to try to get the attacker so that by the time he gets there, he's out of breath and a little bit out of control. And then he tries to stand up and usually like gets cut. I saw him get megged a couple times. Because he's like, been sprinting yeah, back. Exactly. Right, yeah, exactly. And so his 1v1 defending and positioning is not as great. And then he is still small, not as like uh, sizable. So yeah. then when he does try to get into those scraps, he fights for everything, certainly. But if you're going up against somebody a little bit bigger, I've seen him kind of like go in for that, like knock the attacker off the ball and he gets knocked off the attacker more so than the attacker gets knocked around so he's at got all. like a he's like in a different weight class yes like, yes like a welterweight against a middle yes yeah. and so and then he, even his like so that's the it's like the weight class thing it is maybe getting back in a position but then it's also staying in that position there are times when like they the back four for the uh, for ajax collapses in and they're very narrow and then there's an attacker running down the channel and like Dest has to pop out wide and it's just that it stood out to me as like we have seen this for the u.s before where they're too narrow and then suddenly there's an overload yeah. and he has to spread out but then somebody else runs through and he's left space so it's interesting to think about like if you play for a team like Ajax Mm -hmm. where you are dominating most weeks right Mm -hmm. it's kind of okay to be a attack first always joining the attack kind of right back it's there's definitely a question of how that translates to a team like the US men's national team uh, maybe like in CONCACAF, if we're mostly playing weaker opponents, we're, we're the Ajax. Mm-hmm. But when we come up against someone half decent, we're not Ajax, right? No. We're Fortuna Sittard. We are. And I think <laughs> and I think with that in mind, like if we... Or Nak Breda at best. If we, <laughs> yes. And if we try to use him as Ajax while being Nak Breda, I don't think it will work. And I, and I really... Because there'll be holes behind. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I think this is a case that like if we don't use him in a similar style to the way he's used at Ajax, we're wasting him. And so I think what that might mean is the thing that you suggested early on is maybe he is more of an attacking option. Maybe he is a winger for the US yeah. who occasionally kind of drops back in. Maybe he plays wing back if we ever want to try a back three. Yeah. But I think... To, to kind of sit him back and be a more stationary right back who occasionally gets forward, I think you're going to see him get exploited, and that's not his game. His game isn't, like, really, really defensive. What I would say is you wouldn't say, like, with Brazil, okay, Marcelo, this game you're going to sit back and just be a lockdown left back. Yeah. That's not what Marcelo is, and yeah, expecting no, Dest to be a lockdown Luis, right back. Play Luis Felipe instead. Exactly. Luis, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> that, and yes, I think that's what it is, is you put a more defensive right back in there if we're going up against a stronger uh, uh, opponent until Dest develops those defensive yeah. uh, skills. And weirdly, we've been using him at left back, right? Yeah. In the Mexico and Uruguay mm-hmm. games, we played Cannon at right back yeah. and Dest at left back. Speaking of the US, did you see the news yesterday that Ronald Koeman has talked to Serginho Dest yes. about his Netherlands mm-hmm. future? Yep, so and wants, it, a, wants an answer. Yes. Yeah, so we're really going to find out in October yeah. where whether Desk accepts a US call-up or not. Mm-hmm. And I am really, really, really ready for him to accept the call-up for either team one way or the other. I still you am worried that he's not going to— You want like Brexit. You just want a decision made. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> because it's just boring. And it's also like frustrating because like Brian Shredda, again, he wrote about this. He did like an Americans Abroad update. And he was saying that like Ronald Koeman said he wants a decision by Dest. And you could take that as, like, oh, they're out of touch and they're sort of demanding this young player make a decision. Maybe that's— 
that pushes him away, or maybe that Kuman knows actually he's like leaning towards the Dutch, and if I push yeah. him, then maybe he'll jump. But it's all speculation and maybe and maybe and maybe, and I'm ready for it to not be maybe, but instead be, okay, he plays for the U.S. or he plays for the Dutch, and yeah. that's that. <sighs> Either one, way, not a traitor. Throwing one interesting thing I think worth noting is um, it looks from the outside like he's won the starting right-back job at Ajax. He's only done that because Mazraoui, who's really highly rated and is a really, really, really good right-back, has been injured the whole season so far. And right? has returned and started today. So, yes. <laughs> is that what happened today? I mean, he's been, so he's already been out for two chunks. Like, Mazraoui came back, then got injured, then was... Yeah, or people he was injured. remember him from the Champions League. Right? Yeah, he was right. injured, then he came back, then got injured again, and then has been out injured but came back today. Yeah. So, that's... Did the, he start over Dest today? Dest is on the bench, but mm. Dest also played midweek. So, the question is, like, is it they're just going to split shifts, or is it Mazraoui is back now, so that's our right back, and Dest will be relegated to the bench? We shall see if it's rotation or Dest kind of spelling Masrawi as opposed to that rotation. So now he has a fight on his hands to play fullback, right? Maybe he fights Talia Fico to play left back as well. That's fine too. Yeah, maybe both. See him rotate through. Let's let's fight both and have him start in both spots. All right. Yep. I will say for this is slightly cowardly way to look at it, but for the US, it's better if he's not starting for Ajax because then his case for starting for the Netherlands is much weaker. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh huh. Um, let's talk about a slightly larger player. Okay. John Brooks. All right. John Brooks. Do you remember the US friendly against Mexico? Uh, John Brooks was set to start. John Brooks has played for the United States before. Well, <laughs> John Brooks was set to start, and then there was a bit of a groin pull in the warm up, and there was a feeling that this could, be, this could lead to an injury, so we should not start him, right? Um, turns out, I think that was worse than we thought, because mm-hmm. he hasn't played for Wolfsburg since. So it actually was an injury that has kept him out of the Wolfsburg team um, since those, mm-hmm. those interna- that international window. It's worrying. It, it, it makes me nervous. It's it really regular. Is. It's recurring. It's yeah. always something. And, like, it's probably not to this degree, but the player that I always associate this with is Owen Hargraves, where mm. it feels like, okay, he's coming back. Hargraves was much more severe. I think it was a lot of knee injuries. Yeah. But it was still the, like, case that he would always come back and be like, okay, he's good. Oh, no, he's hurt again. Oh, no, it feels weird. Oh, no, his re- return is slower. Yeah. And I do think the more you're dealing with the same injury or similar injuries, the more often it happens, the more aware of it you are. Maybe they're a little bit more hesitant. Maybe you don't want to do as much with it or work it as hard. And then it happens again. And it, yep. it does feel like we're trending into that cycle of John Brooks is healthy for a month, out for two months. Yep. Yeah. So he was healthy for a month. Mm-hmm. So I went back and watched the footage That's from good. before, you know, the September internationals when he actually was playing. That was, um, what, like August 2015? I mean, pretty much. August and up to mid-September. Okay. Right. So he's playing in a back three for Wolfsburg, who are doing okay, mid-table-ish um, in the Bundesliga. Um, left side of a back three. As we mentioned earlier, very similar to like he's doing what Matt Miazga does in the championship mm. in terms of he's stepping and winning balls anything into the box he's heading it away like really physically dominant like even like opposition teams look scared of him because he's the one that comes charging into the halfway line and wins a ball and restarts a Wolfsburg attack but he's doing it in the Bundesliga the Bundesliga whereas Matt Miazga's doing it in the championship that's the level John Brooks is at in terms of his defensive capabilities right? but if the Premier League is the best league in the world by far as we all know then the championship <laughs> right Right, it's pretty much the exact same thing as the Bundesliga. Same level, same quality. Yeah, we know that's not true. We know right? it's not the true. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. much higher level um, opponents. Also, Emails to Daryl at Total Soccer. Also show. lots of blocks, lo- mm-hmm. lots of uh, stepping and winning. Like I said, physically imposing. There are still the moments no. where he goes out and steps to a ball and someone just gets there first or is too fast, steps around him. There are moments where John Brooks can look clumsy. 
because he's this big six foot four guy who goes charging out and some little five foot ten fast guy gets there first and gets around him and then he looks kind of flat footed, mm-hmm. right? But I would say the success rate is high enough that it's not enough to be concerned about. I think it just like the optics look worse than they are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I totally get your size, point. Yeah. yeah, because then he's been turned and suddenly it looks embarrassing. Yeah. But also if you've got three center backs, that's precisely what they're supposed to do is step exactly. out and try to make that play. Yeah, and because he's on the left side, he, he does mm-hmm. have license to step a little higher because then there's two, cent- two center backs behind him uh, to cover up. Um, in terms of his passing, um, lots of I think he might be the best US passer coming out of the back. He can really ping a ball with his left foot and like go from left center back to the like attacking right back mm-hmm. or right wing and put it on their foot. Uh, fr- fr- not every single time. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of like overhit ones, but for the most part, I think he can find a nice pass. Do you feel like he is significantly better at that than Tim Ream from what you saw of both of them? I've not, I haven't seen Ream hit as many like mm-hmm. big cross field diagonals. Yeah. Ream is more like short to medium range passes into midfield or strikers. You know what okay. I mean? So I don't see Ream hit big diagonals as much. I, I guess I'm curious it's if It's more you like think... if you were playing golf, John Brooks would be your driver and uh, Tim Ream would be like your pitching wedges. Okay. <laughs> When's the last time you played golf? I played mini golf. Um, <laughs> That's you the know, same. The thing around the corner from yeah, us, I know that, Green, has been doing mini golf. <laughs> so I'm going to say last week. Okay, that, perfect then. Yeah. We're, we're good with that. We're good with that. But do you think... <laughs> they were all Marky Delgado putters there. <laughs> It's a deep cut <laughs> that everyone, I'm sure, will appreciate. But like this conversation and what you've watched of a player like Brooks and some of the people I've talked about, does it make you feel sort of generally better about things? Like if, if we have Brooks back, right if now, Tyler Adams is back, do if, you think we're remark or like like demonstrably better as a national? I team? mean, in terms of a talent pool, yes. Yeah. But the injuries worry me because they just seem yep. so. It seems like there's always something, right? Yep. Especially with John Brooks, Tyler Adams. I feel like this is sort of a one-off bad injury. He's, then he's back and it's okay. He doesn't have a history of being in and out and in and out, mm-hmm. right? Same with Tim Weir. He doesn't have a history of injured, injured, injured. Um, but with John Brooks, it it was honestly frustrating watching him be so good in those August and early September games, knowing that he like hasn't played for the U.S. and isn't fit. All right, so if we were doing our nervous ranking of the players that we've talked about, <laughs> is Bobby Wood number one player that we're most concerned about? It's No, it's still Christian Pulisic. Okay, because, oh, it is. I was wondering. Okay. Just because he's so much more important. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like The potential upside of Pulisic and the potential downside is so much higher. So I'm going to say Pulisic. Like Bobby Wood, I'm, I'm so excited about Josh Sargent, mm-hmm. I'm less concerned about Bobby Wood. Okay, so I'm going to say Pulisic. Tyler Boyd, John Brooks, Bobby Wood, and then maybe Serginho Dest specifically for the dual national yeah, yeah, yeah. the dual national aspect of it. All right. All right. Have we talked about all your players? We have. All right. There's one guy that we accidentally left off of our list, mm-hmm. but then we remembered him before we started recording. Yep. Went back and watched some footage. Dwayne Octavius Holmes. I need to get the Are you in not there. entertained? I, I mean, I was entertained by everything I saw from him uh, in his most recent games, but then yes. obviously the assist as well from this weekend. Yep. He's pretty good. He's pretty good, Mr. Grove. So if you remember the history, he was in the Gold Cup squad. He was. He was injured. He was. And then he missed the start of the season with Derby County. He He plays for Derby County in the championship, soon to be Wayne Rooney's teammate. Mm -hmm. Um, Missed a whole bunch of the start of the season. Came back and played right back in his sort of uh, debut after injury and apparently did not look so good. Mm -hmm. Since then, he's been playing either as one of the, in a 4-2-3-1, either one of the two defensive, especially being a number eight, or he's been a number 10 for Derby. I went back and looked at all the positions. And then we watched some really good, uh, I I don't want to say highlights because we deliberately didn't select using Wisecout. We didn't select just his best moments, Mm -hmm. selected all his moments. And he's still the the Dwayne Holmes that we saw in those thirty minute cameos for the US in the pre Gold Cup friendlies. Mm-hmm. I think is the real Dwayne Holmes, combative, never gives up. If he loses the ball, he's chasing it down, um, and then on the ball, pretty smooth and pretty creative. 
Yeah, I, I would say he is a better Alfredo Morales, who is not quite as mm. good as Weston McKinney. I would put him okay. in that sort of range right there. Yeah, he's like if you put Morales and McKinney in the fly machine. <laughs> and made them smaller? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> then that, that would do it, yes. Alfredo Morales, we should add, has been injured as well uh, since the January camp, and I, or since the U.S. camp, and has not played. So okay. he's also why he wasn't, that's also why he wasn't there. But it's also because I do think Dwayne Holmes, in my opinion at least, is a little bit ahead of Alfredo Morales. Because of what we saw from Morales, but also more specifically to your point, what yeah. we saw from Dwayne Holmes, both with the U.S. and with Derby County. Cause he, I'm pumped. I'm really excited for him to play for the U.S. He seems to bring a lot to the table. He brings the scrappiness, the fight for the balls, but also the kind of technical ability to win those balls, to play smart passes, to try a few little things of flair, but also yeah. try a few little things of scrap. And not over-try the flair, though. No. It's not like a million step-overs for no reason. It's more like a quick roll of the yeah. foot on top of the ball to get away from someone. Um, the, so this morning, Derby County won 3-2 mm-hmm. against Birmingham City. Dwayne Holmes had the assist for the first goal. It was a beautiful cross from the right wing. It was. It was a horrible finish from Chris Martin, but it's a beautiful cross from Dwayne Holmes. Thank you. I could not remember who it was that I wanted to compare Tyler Boyd to. That's the ball I'm talking about. That yeah. kind of like that, like driven kind of bending ball around those two defenders, but onto the foot of the forward. Man City played that ball like 17 times a game. Yeah. That's the thing that we, we saw from Dwayne Holmes, that Tyler Boyd plays it behind the attack or hits into that first defender. So again, it's where, it's where Dwayne Holmes has me sort of feeling like, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. there's some exciting things that could happen things could be good and also he's been back from injury long enough that the October US rosters for mm-hmm. Canada and Cuba I think it's the other way right? Cuba then Canada right yes um, very realistic that he's on it I honestly think when that roster comes out the first name I'll look for will be Dwayne Holmes yeah okay because like, we know Pulisic will be on there for example like, yeah. the first one that's like did Berhalter want to bring him back in or not Dwayne Holmes I'll be looking for that name I might check Dest as well although- oh yes that, that would be up there, too. Second name I look for will be Dwayne Holmes. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, but also doing this show helps us know that we're probably not going to see John Brooks. We're probably not going to see Tyler Adams. Yeah. So we're probably not going to see DeAndre Edlin. So we got to make our peace with that and yeah. sort of see oh, yeah, what else is Oh, yeah, he was on there. the list today because he's been injured. So exactly. So no minutes for Newcastle. Right. And there's other ones that like, like Julian Green, people may ask about. Yeah. Uh, we didn't put him up there just because like right I- now – He's got to do a little bit more. Yeah, he's also, I think he's not a bad to player. Remember yeah. we used to complain yes, that he would just true. always look to shoot? Yeah. He gives possession away too cheaply. It just doesn't fit the bad system. He does not. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers uh, started uh, for bottom of the table, Stoke City, nine games, two points. He's got to maybe elevate that game a little bit or yeah. maybe hope his team does as well. But yeah. from what we saw, it's kind of the same old stuff from Cameron Carter-Vickers. And there's other names that we could have gotten to that hopefully we will down the road. Players like Gio Reyna, who's been trying with the Yeah, oh, so with, youngsters. There's some exciting youngsters. Yeah. Training with the Dortmund first team is yep. Gio Reyna, and there's a decent and chance we see him. scoring for the U19s. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. I will take... Who else did I have? Richie Ledesma. Richie Ledesma's been doing mm-hmm. well for young PSV. You got it. Yeah, Alex Mendez also doing well for young Ajax. Have you, have you seen Ledesma's couple goals from yes. about a week or two ago? One was like a chip over the keeper and... Oh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Please don't lose him, guys. One had a great turn. Yeah, and, and Mexico have talked to him, right? And the one, like, like just like I want to mention here just because is a player by the name of Charlie Kelman, who is either 18 or 19, I believe. Uh, play- Southend. South- playing for Southend United. Uh, Southend, but Southend, come on. Uh, scored a goal this week, I believe it was, um, but is an American, even though you'll see him listed as uh, English because he has eligibility through his father. Yeah. Um, he has. Basildon. He, I think he, he was on the U20 roster, I think it was, the most recent. Yeah. 
recent yeah. one, but he is a like scrappy, tenacious forward who has, him, right? who has technical ability. He can like settle a ball under pressure, running away from goal, but then still dribble at goal and get shots off and obviously yeah. score goals as well. So he's one to keep an eye on, only in League One, but still any American who's starting and scoring goals and like is an exciting forward who's very, very young is yeah. definitely one to keep an eye on. So he's scrappy like an Essex boy and believes in the free market like an American. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And that's why he's playing for the USA instead of England. Two other obviously. Guys, two other guys just worth a quick mention. Mm-hmm. Alex Mendez for Young Ajax yep. and Yulianez mm-hmm. uh, for Wolfsburg U19s. Yep. He's been he's been doing some things. Young people are young people are young and exciting. Yes. Uh-huh. So but, lo- lots to look forward to there. And lots to look forward to from the folks in the TSS Scouting Network. Let's we do it. do some reports really quickly. Are we, uh, we even finished on time? This is amazing. Uh, we, uh, thereabouts, if we hustle. <laughs> uh, Matthew Cleveland scouting Danielle Malin, the 20-year-old Dutch forward for PSV. Malin made his international debut for the Netherlands, coming on in the 58th minute and scoring the go-ahead goal in the 4-2 win over Germany. That was a while ago. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've combined some reports, and it's been okay. a while as well. Uh, this earned him the start in a 4-0 win over against Estonia. Malin then continued his scoring streak in De Topper. Uh, he scored in the 77th minute <laughs> to bring... That game's called. Apparently it is. Uh, to bring PSV level with rival Ajax. The game ended in a 1-1 draw, but the transfer rumor mail has been on fire since his five-goal uh, outbreak in the previous match week. I believe Daniel Malin is one of those players that Arsenal let go. Right, Ooh. he's going to be another. He's going to be is the he? Dutch, the Dutch Serge Gnabry. E- I think I might be wrong about that, but uh, we'll move on in case I'm wrong. This is awkward. Greyhair Gaming is scouting Indiana Vasilev, the 18-year-old American midfielder mm-hmm. for Aston Villa. Uh, so my two friends are in town last week. Mm-hmm. Stephen Paul, you hung out with them, I uh, did. met them. They're excited about Indiana Vasilev. Really? They they know his name not just because of like my American interest. Mm-hmm. People at Villa just know his name. All right. uh, so let's see what he's been up to. Okay. Greyhead Gaming says, Indiana continues to get regular minutes with Villa's U23 slash Premier League two side. He went 62 minutes in a 2-0 loss to Stoke after being called into the latest US U20 camp in Slovenia where he curiously played the number six against Zagreb Football Federation. Yeah, we are. Oh, Croatia like weirdly dropped out and Zagreb Football Federation played instead. It Which is odd. No idea why. Let's just move it quickly on to Grayson Smith, scouting uh, Lautaro Martinez, the 22-year-old Argentine striker for Inter Milan. Martinez scored a first-half hat-trick in Argentina's win over Mexico. Again, that was a while ago. <laughs> that was uh, rough, rough on Tata Martinez. Yeah. For his third goal, he robbed uh, Nestor Araujo of the ball and his dignity before <laughs> going five-hole on Guillermo Ochoa. At club level, he's been battling Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez four minutes. Uh, but Inter, I think, still top of the table. Inter, so a non-Juve team top in Serie There we go. Dylan Tilbury is scouting Cole Bassett, the 18-year-old American central midfielder for the Colorado Rapids mm-hmm. and a favourite of Bobby Walshaw's. Indeed. Remember? Yep. Uh, Dylan says, Cole Bassett scored a goal in each of the US under-20s games over the international break. The 2-1 win against a local team um, and a 3-0 win against the United Arab Emirates under-23s. Cole Bassett then quickly returned to the Rapids and went 87 minutes while scoring the Rapids' first goal in their 2-1 win against the LA Galaxy in mid-September. I believe that local team was the Zagreb Football yes. Federation that we mentioned previously. Uh, James Porter scouting Ryan Sissignon, the 18-year-old English left-sider for Tottenham. James sent us about seven reports about Tottenham players. Not sure what to make of that. Um, But for this one, Sissignon recently returned to training from a hamstring injury and has been assigned to the Spurs U23 squad for some rehab minutes before receiving his full team debut. We look forward to uh, Ryan Sissignon's full team debut. We certainly do. Maybe it'll help Spurs out. Mm -hmm. Todd Brannan is scouting Cameron Carter-Vickers, 21-year-old centre-back on loan from Spurs. I forgot about that. On loan from Spurs at Stoke City. Todd says CCV started as the right back in a three-man back line. 
So right centre-back. Mm-hmm. Um, and played the full 90 against Bristol City. Stoke took the lead in the fourth minute, but I'm going to not read ahead. I'm just going to guess that they didn't win. Stoke took the lead in the fourth minute, went down to 10 men after a 12-minute red card, ended up losing 2-1. That's why you're bottom of the table, Stoke. The loss kept Stoke near the bottom of the table. <laughs> it did. It did indeed. Robert Newman scouting Mason Mount, 20-year-old English central midfielder for Chelsea, not bottom of the table championship teams. Uh-uh. Um, it's been a busy month or so for Mason Mount after making his first two senior appearances for the England national team in the Euro qualifiers against Bulgaria and Kosovo. Mount returned to Chelsea and scored their final goal in a 5-2 win over Wolves. I mostly mm. left that in there because I wanted to make you sad, but mm. has obviously been a consistent performer for Chelsea since that time. Frank Lampard's faith in him is being repaid. It is. I'm also weirdly torn because I'm enjoying him as a potential like uh, England star and not enjoying him as a, as a Pulisic destroyer. And I, and I did also hear one quick update that Pulisic did, in fact, buy a voodoo doll of Mason Mount. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Weirdly, it would look exactly like Pulisic. It probably yeah. would. <laughs> Willie Reed is scouting Jesus Vallejo, the 22-year-old Spanish centre-back on loan at Wolves from Real Madrid. Uh, Willie says Vallejo got his first EPL start, and it really went poorly. Between <laughs> miscommunication and being out of position throughout the game, there were enormous holes for Chelsea to exploit in Wolves' back three. Viejo specifically had a couple of clearances that he didn't quite put enough power into, leading to a couple of goals, including the assist he had to Tammy Abraham. But his worst moment of the game was the fifth goal, where Mason Mount, the aforementioned, turned him inside out. Oh no, Viejo's skin's on the outside. That's not good. On the inside. Turned him inside out before curling the ball into the net. Worth noting, Viejo did not play today when Wolves got their first win of the season 2-0 over Watford. Congratulations to Wolves. Uh, If your skin is inside out, uh, see a doctor. See a yes. physician. Consult somebody. Uh-huh. Uh, final report comes from uh, Rick Stowicki, scouting Masaya Okugawa, the 23-year-old Japanese midfielder for RB Salzburg. Jesse Marsh's team. Indeed. You Ma- should have included Marsh in the Americans Abroad. He done good. He done good. Masaya right? made his UEFA Champions League debut, subbing on in the 62nd minute in Salzburg's 6-2 demolition of Genk, which uh, was Jesse Marsh oversaw. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the match was well in hand by the time Okugawa saw the pitch, and he didn't figure in any of the goals. But hey, Champions League for a TSS Network player is still pretty cool. It is very cool. It indeed. is. It is indeed. So um, Okugawa and Jesse Marsh will face Liverpool, I believe, in the Champions League this week. That is a game worth watching. Buckle up, Salzburg. Buckle up, Salzburg. There's going to be some pressing in that game from both sides. Uh, I would say so. Yeah. Thank you to everybody for the scouting reports. If you'd like to join the scouting network, it's totalsoccershow.com slash join. Support the show. You facts. can also just support the show and be a silent scout. You don't have to do any scouting work. You'll just be financially supporting the Total Soccer Show. Um, you can also send us questions, totalsoccershow.com slash questions. We love answering listener questions. We do. You're listening to this maybe on a Saturday, maybe on a Sunday. If you have questions about the weekend's action, anything that went on, anything that you want explained or just want us to talk about myself and Ryan Bailey on the Monday show, then uh, send those where Daryl just yep. mentioned. Uh, and then I think Daryl and I may be back Monday evening yes. to do a little bit uh, Man United Arsenal and Arsenal's destruction of Manchester United. So um, I'm out of hospital, obviously, mm-hmm. which is good. I'm feeling good. You, uh, you can hear my voice. I'm feeling lively. But I'm going to Boston next week for clinical trial mm-hmm. stuff. I just have to go and visit to get an infusion and to see the doctors. So I'll be be out of town next week but I'm going to be trying really hard to be on the show as much as possible because I feel like I haven't been on enough lately and I've missed it well we've missed you too so we look forward to uh I don't know, we is me and the mic, yeah. I guess. Uh, look the, forward to talking with you Monday. The indeed. indeed. <laughs> Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk young Americans abroad with me today. Not young, just Americans abroad. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. 